What's up, everyone, and welcome to episode 59 of the Justin Insight podcast. Uh, kind of crazy to think that we're nearly at episode 60, so massive thank you to everyone that's shown support to the show, whether you've been with us from day one or this is the first time you're listening to, to the show. Thank you very much. It's much appreciated. Um, anyway, let me introduce myself if you are a new listener. My name is Tim Backbeck. I'm a writer. I'm a lover of films, music and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I'm your body and vehicle through this podcast. Um, for the loyal listeners, if if I have any, I'm, I'm hoping I do. Um, as promised last week, I'd, I'd said I'd have something a bit more to share with you about my sort of going ons because I've had a bit more of a a social life this week so um, during the week me and my brother uh, headed down to Bristol went to see Bellwitch uh, which if you're unaware they're kind of a doom drone sort of two piece um, released one of my favourite records of last year Um, and it was just nuts to kind of see how just a guitar and a drummer can literally just make that much noise It it was quite impressive to be honest but maybe a little bit long for them just to have an hour set because it, it was essentially just a couple of notes um but the mvps of the night were the support band monarch um in particularly their bass player who was knocking back bottles of beer like they were going out of fashion and it something that me and my brother found very funny um and then we've had the easter weekend as well so i had a nice long weekend uh managed to catch up with all the recent new japan uh, pro wrestling shows um so if you're a wrestling fan, I'd highly recommend going and seeking out the Zack Sabre Jr. versus Okada match, uh, which happened on, I'm getting my days confused now, Sunday. Um, yeah, awesome match and, and just proof why uh, ZSJ is one of the best wrestlers in the world right now. Um, and then went and saw Ready Player One. Uh, I will openly admit I've, I've never read the book, but really enjoyed the film um it's essentially steven spielberg making a near two hour video game cutscene, which i'm totally fine with it's lots of fun lots of nostalgia thrown in there the actual sort of narrative of it is is really good as well um and yeah it's just a, a really fun film and the visuals are breathtaking so if you're if you won for your cgi and your new special effects I'd, I'd recommend going and check that out um and then I went and saw the latest uh, Wes Anderson film, uh, Isle of Dogs, which I absolutely bloody loved. Like I'm a massive Wes Anderson fan as it is, um, and this was just great. I wasn't huge on his last foray into animation, which was uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, but this was just seemed a lot grander, and it was really impressive. Um, and yeah, it was just a really sort of really enjoyable film, and there's loads of good boys in it, so that's great. Um, and I actually love the film so much that I've actually just got back from an exhibition where they have some of the set designs and some of the the puppets that were used during the film on display. Um, so if you're in or around the London area and you've seen the film, recommend going and check that out because it is really impressive the level of detail that they go into with some of these these set pieces. Um, it's at one o eight no sorry one eight o the Strand in London, so it's just sort of near. Covent Garden, London Waterloo Way. Uh, it's there until April 9th, if, if that so floats your boat. Um, so yeah, that's kind of what I've been up to recently. It's been, been nice to kind of do stuff other than work. So I'm going to stop talking about me now, and we're going to go into my guest uh, for this week's show. Um, and joining me is guitarist of uh, punk rockers Daggermouth, uh, Kenny Lush. Um, 
as always, we discuss the band's origins. We discuss how Kenny uh, came to sort of getting into punk rock in the first place and kind of stumbling across his first band um, and then going on to form Daggermouth. We discuss the band breaking up and coming back together. Um, and we also discuss what he's looking forward to about coming to the UK because they come here for the, which is mind blowing, for the very first time uh, in a couple of weeks. So that's why I wanted to get Kenny in before they head over here. Um, and yeah, and, and I'm sure they're going to put on some rad shows over here. Um, the band also released uh, their first new music in nearly 12 years so uh, recommend going to check that out once you've had a little listen to the chat so I'm going to leave it at that please enjoy the chat that I have with Kenny Lush and I'll see you on the other side Right, joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is uh, guitarist of punk band uh, Daggermouth and pro wrestler uh, Kenny Lush. Kenny, thank you for for joining me. Really appreciate it. Um, how's things in Vancouver? Ah, oh, they're good. I think it's gonna snow again or rain or something. <laughs> a bit. But yeah, no, things are things are going good. We're just getting ready for that UK tour, and yeah. Well. I think obviously we'll we'll get into to the UK tour and things, Evan. But as, as I mentioned before, I I hit record. Um, the podcast is called Justin Insight, so I like to take my guests kind of back to their their bare bones and kind of get get an insight into what made them fall in love with with punk rock and and hardcore and alternative music. So, what was kind of your your first exposure to to alternative music? To to punk music in general. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think I was like any kid that was kind of maybe born in the, you know, 80s and stuff like that, not by Nirvana, man. <laughs> yeah. I, I got, you know, like being 12 years old and seeing the Nevermind video on, on Much Music, which was kind of our big music channel in Canada here. And, you know, I got stoked, got into the Nirvana thing, and then from there, kind of, you know, a few years later, got into the local punk rock scene mostly through a band called gob if you ever uh want to look up popular vancouver punk rock <laughs> yeah. bands check out a band called gob <laughs> and so were you kind of in, obviously like kurt cobain sort of being a guitarist were you kind of instantly sort of drawn to that and and that kind of got your you your love of, of playing guitar yeah actually like that's how i learned the, the way I learned to play guitar was I actually got the the Nevermind tablature book. And okay. <laughs> yeah, and I'd, I'd watch like Nirvana videos and be like, ah, oh, his fingers are kind of like that. And then I'd put <laughs> mine like that on the guitar while I'm trying to figure out this book. And I was like, ah, oh, that's that's a power chord. And, you know, it's anyone can play Smells Like Teen Sphere at the beginning. It's like <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, you know, I think it was like the simplicity of it. That's probably also why I'm like one of the world's worst guitar players. Like, <laughs> I can't do anything, but because I was like, "Oh, solos are lame." Kurt Cobain, so, you know, you'd read these interviews and he'd be like, "Oh, I know nothing really about playing guitar." Where in fact, I think he was like a pretty amazing guitar player. Yeah. A lot. <laughs> and so, how how old were you at, at this sort of age? Uh, I was like twelve, thirteen. Okay, so. So were you kind of, was there sort of a, 
like a punk sort of scene or, or, around sort of that you were aware of at this this stage, or did that kind of come along a bit a little bit later? That was kind of like like from reading Nirvana interviews and stuff like that. It's like um, like you know Kurt Cobain would talk about the you know the Seattle scene or whatever, and talk about like these punk bands that he used to listen to and stuff. And that's kind of when I was like, oh man, there's a there's a music scene where people playing garages and stuff like yeah. that. So let's you know that kind of opened the eyes to the fact that there's like a little independent scene and you know I was, yeah. I probably really started to like look into that stuff when I was like 14, 13, 14. Mm. And so you yeah. talk me through kind of your your sort of um, learning process because obviously, as you say, Nirvana was kind of a big big part. So wh- where did you kind of start to to explore wanting to to play live music yourself? Um, I don't know. I always like. You know, you'd always look at, like, the pictures and the magazines and stuff like that. And be like, oh, man, it'd be cool to be a musician on stage. Like, I don't know, I think as a teenager, you know, you all have these crazy dreams and aspirations and <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know, whether it's to be a musician or a wrestler. I don't know, like, whenever you just look at magazines, even, you know, even you look at athletes and stuff like that, and it's like, I don't know. Like I want to do that. No one, everyone, every kid wants to be famous when you're a kid. So. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. And so the the other thing that I always kind of like to ask, sort of right off the bat, is is along with kind of your first exposure to sort of alternative music. What was the first uh, sort of live experience to to alternative music? So what was kind of uh, like a seminal sort of live gig that you went to that kind of that that was almost kind of like that light bulb moment for you. Oh, my, my very first ever show was, yeah. uh, was the thing that got me, my very first ever concert, I guess, I okay. sure is, uh, I saw Guns N' Roses on the Easy Oh, wow. Tour. <laughs> it's not, not, not a bad sort of first, first experience then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, my, my dad ended up taking me and stuff, so it was, uh, it was pretty funny. I just saw Guns N' Roses not too long ago again, too. Oh, really? <laughs> Are they any better? Oh, they were bad. I loved it, man. Like, <laughs> this reunion, I've seen them twice on this reunion tour that they're doing now, and I'm not going to lie, I'm, I'm like a giddy girl in moments. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, so going from, from there, obviously, learning guitar, where, when did you kind of start sort of actively sort of forming forming bands was it when, when you were still in school college what how, when did you kind of start going out and exploring sort of punk rock on your own sort of thing um i didn't really start a band i kind of fell into one like the band as in before uh dagger mouth okay i just kind of fell into it when i was like maybe 22 or something i grew up in a small town called 100 mile house if you look on a map of Canada, it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere, BC. And okay. So there was, I grew up in like a small, like, hillbilly hick town. So there was no kids really wanting to start a band or anything out there. So I was always, you know, I was always like, when I'm going to graduate, I'm going to move to Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Start a band and be a wrestler and do cool shit. So yeah, it's like teenager high school band. Yeah. 
So how how did you how did you fall into that that first band then? Um, they were already a band and they were going to get back together. Uh, it was a band called the Retreads, which okay. was members of. Yeah, if you uh, if you're into your Canada punk rock history, there was a band called the McCrackens, and the guys would dress up as eggs, and the drummer would dress <laughs> awesome. up as a dog. Yeah, and uh, they 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 toured Europe a few times and stuff back in the '90s, and uh, they started another band called the Retreads, and they needed another guitar player. They're like, Kenny, why don't you join? So I joined them and did a few a few shows there. We opened for SNFU, who was like another big. Canadian punk band. So yeah, that was my first show. Was actually opening for us nephew. Oh wow, that's kind of pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So do, I'm assuming you were kind of, were you kind of like, like friends with with them guys all beforehand? Yeah, just from like years of going to shows and you know hitting up all ages shows growing up and stuff. I knew quite a few people, so. Mm. Yeah, he was just like, yeah, join the band. I was like, sure, why not? <laughs> and because obviously, uh, I've never been lucky enough to to come to Canada. But what was gr- growing up? What was kind of the the scene like? Obviously, you said you you were kind of in a a town in the middle of nowhere. So were you traveling to to Vancouver for shows and and things like that? Yeah, um, I, w- I was like, you know, my parents were pretty supportive i think they felt a little bad about me having grown up in this shitty small town <laughs> and stuff so uh you know they would always find me rides or drive me down to, to vancouver to go see the shows and then during the summertime i'd always just take like the bus down to vancouver and i'd have friends houses to stay with and like i would just do two months of my whole summer break would just be like going to check out like all ages shows and you know basement shows yeah shows everywhere yeah so what what kind of pulls you to that kind of, I, I guess the the sort of DIY sort of punk punk scene? Was it just the fact that you were sort of making the most of being in Vancouver, Vancouver and going to all these shows? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think I just liked seeing like kids like myself, like that. I you know, there's no punk kids in in a hundred mile house where I was growing up. So mm. I think just yeah, I think just seeing like you know seeing kids like me and you know skids and punks and shit like that just kind of doing their own thing create their own scene and shit i think that just kind of like drew me to it mm. and obviously we'll talk about Daggermouth. so talk me through how how that kind of came about because as you say the, your first band you, you kind of fell into but so how how did the process of Daggermouth coming to be the band that everyone knows today sort of formulate in the first place yeah, well, in, like, early 2000, or, yeah, 2003, 2004, um, yeah, I was in that band, The Retreads, and then Stu, the other guitar player, he, uh, he was in a band called End This Week With Knives, and it was oh, kind of wow. like, yeah, it was, it was like, you know, kind of swoop hair, like, emo-y, yeah, yeah. Scre- screamo-type stuff, and that's what was, uh, you know, there was like a million bands in Vancouver doing that style. Like no one was doing kind of fast melodic punk rock or anything at that point. And so Stu played that in that band a couple, of, you know, for a couple of years. And one day I was working at a record store, and Stu just came in and was like, "Hey, you want to start a band?" I was like, sure. <laughs> and and he's like, "Yeah, I want it to sound like 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 Lifetime and like Lagwagon and stuff." And I'm like, 
okay, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely down. No one's playing that style of music. And, and then he's like, yeah, I already got the name picked out. I got two names. And I was like, what? He's like, either either Stewie's Sexy Party or Dagger Mouth. <laughs> uh, I think Dagger Mouth's better. Yeah, I was going to say, I think yeah. you went with the right one. Yeah. So, yeah, that's how it started. Just, you know, I knew Stu from mutual friends and stuff. And, yeah, he just came into the record store and we discussed starting a band and he found Dana the bass player and we had uh, JJ our first drummer all lined up and we, I don't know we just met up one night at like 11pm in Stu's studio and just started jamming hmm. and uh, uh, this might just be from a, an outside perspective but from from over here in the UK I think as soon as kind of your, your guys first album came out like there was all of a sudden this massive rush of sort of momentum behind you guys and I think there's a lot of sort of people that I especially I was friends with when I was younger that really were like into you guys right right off the bat so was was that the case from from you guys inside that everything just kind of seemed to to click and happen quite quickly yeah I well yeah we just started playing like lots of local shows and and you know, just play, like we overplay Vancouver so much. And, <laughs> yeah, and I remember we put a demo out and we kind of just like tossed it up on MySpace and, you know, kids started writing us from all over and, you know, we even, I remember uh, our, our, you know, the moment we're all like, oh my God, oh my God, was like someone in the band Strike Anywhere was like, hey, I was cruising around the internet and found your songs they're really good keep it up and i was like oh my god <laughs> that's pretty cool strike anyway Robbie. but yeah it, it you know like we were we started off essentially as like a joke band we didn't think kids would like us because we're playing a weird different style and it, yeah and then it just kind of like snowballed after that like we we decided on that little demo we put out we're like you know, it'd be cool, let's do, like, a tour down to California. So I booked us some, like, two-and-a-half-week tour all the way down the West Coast. And it, like, you know, we didn't make money, but we, like, we came home without paying a ton of money out of our pocket or anything, you know? Mm. We're like, oh, like, the shows were actually, like, pretty good, and, you know, MySpace helped us so much back yeah. in those days. I think, I think a lot of bands from that era kind of are the same way, you know, like kids finding out about you on myspace and just sharing the link yeah well i think that's kind of how i i came across you guys because i think obviously back in the myspace days you had the old um like top eight friends whatever it was wasn't it and um yeah i think you were in possibly oh was it have heart you you it was either have heart or set your goals i can't remember but yeah it might have been set your goals yeah yeah, I remember the top eight was so re- funny because, like, you know, some, my drum, like, Dan Don, the other, the second drummer I remember, like, one time, he, he, like, called me on a Sunday morning, was like, oh my god, this band has us in their top eight, we, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta put them in now in our top eight, like, and, like, you'd have discussions on, like, which of your top eight is getting the boot from the top eight. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool, but we haven't toured with that. Like, we did a tour last year with that band, so get them out of the top eight, you know? <laughs> just like, it's pretty funny. But yeah, so that, like, as you say, that's kind of like how I discovered you, and so I think many people sort of d- did discover you. And then obviously, 
kind of off off that obviously you guys released turf wars and i think that was just a, an extra kind of rocket to your back that kind of push push you like to uh, i guess kind of main mainstream to an extent like obviously you, it opened you to a bigger audience so again from from an insider's point of view like did you like when that record kind of started getting the reaction that it got do was that kind of a shock to you that it was picking up that much momentum? Yeah, like I, I, I still don't know how popular it was. Well, when we were actually together, you know, I mm. seem like it's, you know, once we broke up, kids really got into that record. <laughs> so, yeah, but uh, yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of cool. Like I'm, you know, just as that album's coming out, and you're touring more and more places, and all of a sudden you're getting like kind of offered you know opening slots on other tours and that yes i don't know it was kind of cool seeing it but it wasn't i don't think it was like a giant you know hype machine or anything no no i I just think because i remember um when it came out i was at university and there was a a little record shop down down the road from where i used to live um and they were kind of big advocates of that kind of fast punk sort of sound like they were um i think every time city goals came over here they booked them and and do like a little install with them and i remember when turf wars came out that was kind of their their pick of the pick of the week kind of thing um is that the banquet records yes yeah yeah oh okay yeah i think they i think they even put our album out or turf wars out and yeah potentially but so that weirdly Turf Wars is one of the last records I I bought in CD format. So, because oh. <laughs> so, so for for uh, yeah for me obviously I've, cause I because that was a time when I was really into that kind of sound and I think a lot of my friends were. So from over here in the UK, I don't know maybe just because it was the circle of friends I was with, but that that was a record that as I say it, it felt like it kind of boosted your your profile from from my perspective. So. As you say, it might be now, obviously, in hindsight, that people have kind of gone back and, and checked it out. But I, I thought it was a killer record when it came out, and it still is to this day. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, it's weird. Like, I don't, maybe it was all because of Banquet or whatever. I'm not sure, but it really seemed like that album was like well-received in the UK and stuff mm. like that. And I've never... I'm, I wish we were able to get over there our first run you know what i mean like it yeah was, <coughs> at one point we were we were talking to someone about doing a tour over there and i think there was even shows lined up but the guy just kind of went silent and oh no ended up. yeah but it's been weird over the years i'll watch you know bands playing on that slam dunk festival and yeah it's you know it's and i'll see like kids wearing dagger mouth shirts on stage and i'm like what and someone <laughs> yeah. just recently someone just recently showed me like uh a video of Neck Deep oh, yeah. playing like a dagger mouth cover when they were first starting out. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, obviously, from from there, like obviously there was, as you, as you mentioned, kind of like bigger tours and things. So from kind of starting off it as, as you said, almost kind of overplaying Vancouver, was it quite an eye-opening experience to then be hitting the road with bands like Comeback Kid and, and doing these bigger tours to, to wider audiences that you maybe not have had done in the past. Yeah, it was a, you know, it was, it was, it was cool to, you know, 
finally get to be, you know, play in front of new people and all that. But yeah, we were like after the last two years we're a band. We're on the road for like eight months a year. It was crazy. Mm. I think that partly led up to why we broke up. But yeah, but yeah, it was kind of cool having like bigger bands like come back hit at the time and stuff. Like, hey, open for us. Come this way. Come that way. Yeah, so it was it was sweet. Yeah, some of my favorite two. My my, probably my favorite tour I was ever on was when we were it was us I'm the Avalanche and Four Years Strong yeah like, yeah we put out uh, Eyes or Die Trying and that was a really fun tour that that was a band you could see it like the tour was only two weeks long but that Rise or Die album came out and you could see the, the at every show we did kids were go, like going more and more crazy for that band They're like oh man Four Years Strong is gonna blow up yeah <laughs> Well, and then the other thing that I wanted to to quickly ask you about, because obviously, I don't know. Even though you, the the music that you guys play is quite obviously fast paced, upbeat, like the the content is quite sort of personable, and obviously addresses sort of certain issues. So when you guys were were kind of coming to, especially in Turf Wars, I think. So when you guys were kind of writing that record, was that something that you? you sat down and spoke about that that what you wanted this album to to portray as a in a sort of like a message sense rather than just musically uh not like the lyrics on uh, that album are all mostly nick that wrote them and stuff like that and i don't know i think i think you know i think we want the second album to be a little bit more serious but to be honest we never really we don't really discuss that kind of stuff it's it's we just come up with like stupid song title and <laughs> yeah. get in a room and write songs really fast and you know we ne- like we never really put much thought into like stuff like the lyrics and all that you know yeah like, yeah is it, is it more just the case of if you, if you guys are feeling the vibe and and you're enjoying it then that kind of makes the cut kind of thing yeah yeah totally and like every yeah everything around us base just like that's ah, fun and you know like we're not really a band that'll sit back and discuss like the meaning of this or, <laughs> yeah. you know fancy promo shots in a graveyard or anything <laughs> like, <we're> just... <laughs> and obviously I, I think because the timing of, of you guys sort of initially going on the hiatus for for me again like from an outsider it seems I don't know because obviously it was a year after Turf Wars and I thought there was as a fan there seemed like to be all this momentum behind you and then all of a sudden it was kind of like now we're going to take a bit of a break and then obviously that break ended up being nearly 10 years so yeah what obviously i don't want want to kind of put, pull up sort of bad blood or anything but what was it just no. a case of like the because as i say for me the timing seemed a bit weird but was it just a case of at that time it just didn't seem to fit if that makes sense yeah, well, we, I think it was, like I said, like, the last two years were a band, like, you know, going into Turf Wars and then, like, having it come out and tour, you know, after Turf Wars, like, we were on the road eight months a year, so I think we just, in hindsight, you know, if, if we would have just done some tours and then finally said, like, okay, guys, it's, like, chill for five months or four months, but I think I think maybe the band could have lasted longer, but... We were just all so sick of each other in the band mm. touring. That's why even now we're kind of like this Europe 
tour and UK tour we're doing, it's like a bit over two weeks. Yeah. We're like, okay, let's just get through this, but we'll never do another one like that again. <laughs> like, you know, we're all about the weekends now and, you know, little five days, little shots. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And talk me through the kind of the process of you guys kind of getting back together because as I mentioned, this it was obviously nearly sort of nearing 10 years when you guys did the first show back together and obviously now sort of new materials being released, more tours be, being announced. So was it just a case of that the, there's that more level of maturity and, and you thought you'd give it another shot or how, how did the kind of discussions of, of getting Dagamouth back together sort of begin in the first place? Yeah, it's a, it was a, like over the years, it's mostly been Dand on the drummer. He's, mm. You know, he's kind of been the one guy that kind of kept in touch with everyone throughout the year. Because I, I kind of, you know, once we broke up, I didn't talk to Stu for a while, like yeah. for years. And, you know, I'd see him at the odd show and stuff like that, but I was pretty sick of everyone by that point. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I think it was that way for a lot of for all of us. But Dandon would always like reach out every six months, like, hey man, how are you doing? And this and that. But over the years, we would get like some silly offers to get back together and stuff and it just never oh my wife bought me a coffee thank you <laughs> <laughs> but she went oh, a little starbucks but uh yeah over the over the years we'd get some offers and that and to like nick the singer on stallone and turf wars uh he you know he started doing photography and everything yeah and he's like a really really big photographer kind of guy now and, you know, he was always, he never really wanted to do it. And then, you know, parts of the time I never wanted to do it. And it just kind of worked out. Like now we're older, Dandon, Dandon graduated uh, university and, and, you know, Stu's situated. We're all like, everyone in the band now is kind of, you know, stable enough now. Mm. We're basically Dandon wrote last year and was like, um... Pusa Fest from Montreal wants to see if we'll get back together, like, you know, and do a set. And, you know, we all kind of talked about it, and we're like, yeah, let's, let's do it. Let's, you know, Nick, Nick uh, isn't involved in this one. He's, yeah. he's still, you know, he didn't really have any interest or anything about it. And uh, Stu and Dana were in a band called Youth Decay. I don't okay. know if you've heard them or not. Yeah, and uh, Stu was singing in that band. And fuck, they put an album out and it's amazing. And Stu's a great front man. And finally, you know, I was like, well, who's going to sing? And Stu's like, oh, I'll sing. Stu sings all the backups and all. Like, he was the, uh, me and him started the band. So it's yeah. not like we just got like a random singer guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, Stu does a lot of the singing on the albums, actually, like Turf Wars and Stallone. So he's just like, oh, I'll, I'll sing. You know, and we're like, fuck, sweet, let's do it. I think we're all just kind of like bored with life, to be honest. We yeah. just wanted to make things exciting again. And for for Stu, because I think Nick's vocals were, as you mentioned, like Turf Wars was a lot of like his sort of writing personally, and I think Nick had quite a distinctive voice. And obviously, from listening to to the one track that you've released so far, Stu's voice is is very different. Obviously, it fit it still fits you guys, but for was there ever a discussion of, of him kind of 
being sort of cautious because fans would remember Nick and there being kind of big shoes to fill or was he just sort of like nah I, I, I don't care just jump in sort of thing yeah it was kind of more of a you know I don't care and just jump in like, yeah you know even we weren't sure like if you know what people would think with the new with the new singer and everything but like you know Stu did do a lot like a lot of the backup yeah and screaming stuff so it's i don't know it's not like it's a completely different change but nick did have like a really you know it was hard to replicate nick's singing stuff <laughs> yeah. for sure but uh yeah everyone that's seen us like you know has said it's been awesome and you know had quite a few like oh we like it even better which is rad that's cool Shocked to nick anything but yeah it's been awesome and i think kids are just like well not kids because we're all young adults now but uh <laughs> yeah. but uh yeah, I think people are just excited we're back together, which was awesome. Like, we, I wasn't even sure what people would say and think about it. And the response has been really, really rad. So I think people are just happy to be able to hear the songs again. And, yeah. You know, like, a lot of people are coming out to our shows. Like, you know, we played Japan last November, and people were flying from, like, Australia to see it. And that just, like, you know, I thought I'd never get to see these songs live. And yeah. Blah, blah, so. Yeah, so that's been really cool. Well, I'm just going to pause on, on Daggermouth for a minute and, and talk to you about your, your other passion, Kenny, because you're, you're in a way, you're kind of my perfect guest because you're into, <laughs> punk, you're into punk rock, but you're also a pro wrestler. Um, yeah. So so how did you kind of fall in love with wrestling? Oh, I always loved it as a kid. Like, I would watch Hulk Hogan and shit at, on the old WWF, WWE tv you know yeah. saturday morning wrestling and all that and yeah i've, I've probably my some of my earliest memories are like going to wwe house shows with my dad and stuff like that i've loved wrestling since i was like four years old yeah wow <laughs> so how did you how long have you actually been been doing it like as a as a pro i i trained in 1999 okay and then um uh, yeah and then i kind of wrestled up till about you know, 2002 or something, kind of, you know, once the bands kind of got in the way, I started to do the music more, and then when Daggermouth broke up in 2008, I was like, man, I still want to, like, tour the world and see cool places, I just don't want to do it with five other dudes or four <laughs> dudes, so yeah. I was like, I'm, I'll go back into wrestling, so I had, to, I had to work out being years on the road, living off $5 a day didn't exactly you know make me a specimen of health so <laughs> hit the gym and hit the gym and contacted the local company in town and it just started off that way well because obviously over here i'm sure you're aware over here in the uk sort of the indie scene at the moment is is probably a oh, dude a, it's peak. uk is blowing up yeah. right now it's huge man like it's fucking insane what's happening in the uk fucking wrestling scene over there so and i know that this, this is going to make me sound a little bit ignorant, but over in in Canada, I know obviously you've got Smash. But what what sort of promotions are you kind of wrestling for around in in Canada? Uh, well, yeah, Smash is out of Toronto, which is like Eastern Canada, and uh, yeah, the, Smash is doing really good. There's a couple big companies out there in Toronto and area too, and but uh, yeah, Vancouver kind of you know they have. Like, there's all-star wrestling out here, and uh, not too far from here is 
a company called ICW, which runs a few times a year. They actually have a show at the end of April with McFoley on it. Oh, stuff. cool. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a bunch of, like, small little indie companies around here. I even started running some of my own shows about two years ago until the city decided to be cranky about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, it's there's a whole bunch. I thought... Yeah, All-Star Wrestling is probably the main one out here in mm. Vancouver and that I wrestled for, yeah. Obviously, when you got sort of back into wrestling, how did you find kind of the... Because the, obviously I know right now the wrestling scene is, is huge all over the world, but when you f- sort of started making out, what was it like? like? Was it a case of wrestling in front of like 20 people in front of halls or, or has it always been quite a, a vibrant sort of scene over there? Uh, no, even right now, the scene in BC is kind of not too hot. We're like a very, it's not like a ROH kind of work rate scene out here. Right, like, okay. uh, Vancouver's always, yeah, this area kind of has like a carny, uh, like I have always had kind of that carny fan base to it. Like growing up, we had all-star wrestling and, and stampede wrestling and stuff like that. So, but, uh, you know, so that kind of started the Western scene out here i guess i don't know but yeah it's not really i don't know i'm kind of rambling now (laughs) no that's cool yeah the scene out here isn't isn't the greatest like there's companies that run lots but you know you're looking at like 100 100 people sometimes and this Mm. and that sometimes the snows go great sometimes they're a little less but yeah but uh yeah when i came back it was kind of just on that you know in 2008 you know, it's you can see wrestling kind of rise over the last couple of years, right? Like guys like Joey Ryan on TV and shit like that. So I don't know. I'm kind of rambling. I forgot. No. <laughs> <That's cool. laughs> uh, um, I wanted to just talk about your your character as well. So obviously, you're the loose cannon, Kenny Lush. So talk talk me through how you kind of came to develop that character. Oh, it's just I remember when I was a kid. I just wanted to be like a, a Mick Foley kind of copy. He's Cactus Jackson, one of my favorite wrestlers yeah. and stuff. So, you know, and I just needed a nickname. And at the time, I was like, oh, loose cannon. I probably can't use that anymore now that Brian Pillman's son's wrestling, yeah. which is awesome. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, <coughs> yeah, I find like my character is just kind of me turns up, you know, like that's what they always say. Just, yeah. You know, turn your turn yourself up to 10 and that's your character. And obviously, sort of nowadays in wrestling, there's kind of always the the possibilities of, of dream matches and and so on and so forth with all the kind of different indie companies around the world. So, have you got a kind of like a bucket list of people that you'd like to wrestle? Oh man, I don't know. I've never really thought about that. I've kind of wrestled a lot of like really good guys. I'd like to wrestle the Young Bucks. They'd probably be like on yeah. the top of the bucket list. You know, they're amazing. And uh, no, other than that, I've been lucky to have wrestled. I'd like to wrestle Bobby Fish, but he's under the NXT now, but, yeah. which is awesome. He's always been one of my favorite wrestlers. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I've kind of wrestled a lot of. I would have. I would have loved to wrestle uh, in his prime, Terry Funk. Yeah, that, that would be cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I can't really think of anyone that's kind of bucket list right now. I've, I've been lucky to wrestle a lot of 
you know, I had one of Kyle O'Reilly's last matches with yeah. him before he signed and all that. So, yeah, I've, I don't know. I think I've wrestled everyone I kind of wanted. No, that's, that's cool. <laughs> and like on the kind of other side, are, are there any sort of um, bucket list promotions that you want to want to sort of wrestle for? Oh, if, I would have loved to wrestle for New Japan, but I'm, I'm getting old. I'm not actually like now that I'm doing the band again. I'm, I'm I probably haven't wrestled in a good six months or something. Okay. So yeah, I don't know. I'm going to start trying to get some shows lined up for the summertime because I'm starting to miss it, but, yeah, I, I don't know, my, New Japan's so awesome, yeah. that would have been a rad place to go, like, I was, I was lucky enough to do some opening matches for Ring of Honor over oh, the last awesome. couple of years, so, yeah, so that was, that was cool to do some stuff with them, they were, they were fun to be on the road with. Cool, well, go, switching gears again, apologies, so, um, if we kind of go back to, to what Dagamal's doing at the moment, obviously, uh, released the the single Ramen Noodle Doodle, which is obviously um, <laughs> yeah. it's just fun to say. Um, yeah. But I, I, it was documented kind of when you guys went on that hiatus that you had new material sort of in your bag written sort of thing. So is the new stuff kind of revisiting that or is it a complete fresh approach? Uh, yeah, I know. I think we said we had like new stuff written in that Stu put out Stu put out uh, like a kind of an instrumental demos thing online a couple years ago that was the next Dagger Mouth album but that was he also wrote that like well after we split up there was a couple songs we were working on before we kind of broke up and yeah we have been like going back and listening to like some of the old some of the old demos and this and that and be like oh yeah we should take you know we're changing some things and that but yeah we'll actually we'll be hitting up you know parts of some of those songs and all that but yeah we're currently writing and figuring out june we're going to go into the studio and record some drums and start start working on new stuff and from the response of of, of the single that you guys put out obviously as as kind of mentioned the the obvious sort of changes obviously stew on vocals rather than nick but as i say it kind of works to to the song so how have you kind of i don't know how how have you kind of seen the response to the new record uh, new song sorry oh it's been rad like you know i'm one of those people that always like type in the name and do google searches <laughs> yeah. talking shit and that and, you know i really only saw like one one negative response which was kind of more like you know does does the world need a new dagger mouse song in 2018 or something the guy yeah said? <laughs> you know which is kind of laughable because fuck do, do they i hope they do but. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the response has been awesome and you know so yeah we're thinking just going in in june and kind of recording something else and you know we don't really have a label or anything right now and i don't know if we want to kind of go that route or yeah. just keep putting shit out ourselves and you know, it's it's so easy now. Like, we record that song, Stu gave it to me, and I tossed it up on Spotify and everything, like, really quickly. So, you know, so much, it's so easy now. I don't even know if you need a label. But, no, I know. Yeah, we're, we're slowly working on things. Our drummer, Dan Don, lives in Winnipeg, which is, like, 
three-hour flight away. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you know, we're slowly working on things, but we have we have some loose demos, and we're going to, like, jam things out and stuff while we're in the UK, you know, during sound checks and stuff. Yeah. And finish up the writing. And yeah, we'll go in in June and have an EP out, hopefully ready in time for the fall-winter. So if you kind of... Uh... Not again, because obviously you've said you don't really think of these sort of things, but have you kind of had a an idea of, of what the new record's going to gonna sound like, or is it just, to, as you say, like you're still kind of ironing things out at the moment? Um, I'm sure it'll, you know, everything's going to kind of sound like the, you know, the new song. You know, like we, we're not going to really like branch out or get a, you know, string section or anything. Like, everything <laughs> yeah. going to be, like, fast and, you know, fast and hopefully, you know, little groovy parts where kids can dance around. And, yeah, we want to keep everything fast and fun. Mm. And so you're not going to find, like, a big big creative change with us ten years later. <laughs> <laughs> um, and during the... Oh, sorry, I'm jumping around a little bit, but obviously during the the break of you guys for for you personally i know you obviously you were doing the the wrestling stuff as well but and i know you said you were kind of sick of sick of the sight of some of the guys but what did, did you kind of revisit the songs just like on your own sort of still like jamming them out on guitar and things like that whilst in that kind of almost 10 year gap sort of thing you know what to be honest i I think the first time I opened my guitar was when we had our first jam back. Or oh, whatever. wow. Like, yeah, I completely forgot how to play all the songs. <laughs> everything, yeah, like, it was it was a bit of a learning curve. It was hard picking the guitar back up after all those years. So, yeah, it was even, you know, it was pretty fresh for all of us. There was one point where we had a couple jams, and we're all just sitting in the, you know, sitting in the jam space, just like, I think we played this. this <laughs> we put the CD on and try to play along with it to make sure it's right. And yeah, it was pretty funny. And obviously, as you mentioned, like since kind of the announcement of, of you guys getting back together, doing a couple of more tours, and as you say, people have said to you that they never thought they'd kind of see you guys playing those those songs live. Obviously, you guys doing the, the bit in Japan, coming here to the UK sort of next month, was it a, a conscious decision to to go places that you hadn't either not been for a long time or hadn't been at, at all sort of thing? Uh, yeah, this route abound, Laura, this this time around, we're just kind of considering ourselves a vacation band. So right, okay. Yeah, we just want to hit a bunch of cool places that we've never been and use it as a way to see the world. Stu was saying someone just wrote about a rush tour or something, so okay. you know, it'd be fucking fun to go to go there. I think, but yeah, we're just kind of use. Yeah, we're just using it as a way to go see old friends and go see new places. Hmm. And talk, talk me talk to me about the the Japan tour for a little bit because I think. Obviously, I've I've never been to Japan. I don't know what the the music scene is like there, but it's for me. It's, it's, it seems like quite a, an unusual place to to go for that type of music. But because I'm actually really good friends with um, the guys in Narwhals, who obviously you guys did the tour with, so yeah. they they said it was absolutely mind blowing. So how was the experience for you? Yeah, 
was great. I've always, like, I've been to Japan before to wrestle, and uh, I did, like, a jiu-jitsu tournament over there once and stuff, but I've always wanted to kind of do a Japan tour and see, you know, see Osaka and see a lot of these other places, and, you know, it's so expensive to do, you'd go over there and just vacation, yeah. so, you know, to get in and be able to play fucking my music in Osaka and stuff like that, that was awesome. It was a great feeling. And kind of similar to to coming here to the UK, obviously, again, it's a, it's a place that you guys have ne- never toured. And I remember, because I think the first date of your tour that was announced was um, the Brighton show, the Washed Out Festival. So, yeah, w- was it a was it a case of always thinking of doing a tour around that, or was it a case that that got announced? There was a bit of buzz behind it, and then you thought we may as well do a do a full UK tour. Yeah, well. Uh... Yeah, that Patrick guy from Washed Out was like, God, you want to come play? And I was like, yeah, sure, but, you know, we got kind of fucking expensive fly over there, <laughs> yeah. so we got to get some more shows. And him and his buddy Joe were, you know, starting to go back and forth. And I'm not going to lie, at points I was like, oh, man, this fucking ain't going to happen. Like, yeah. You know, guys would go silent on, into, you know, on emails for a week at a time and stuff. And, and then, you know, but it just kept going and going, and then... Graham, who runs Little Rocket Records, and he's a bass player in Leatherface and stuff, he uh, he got on board because he knows Dan Don, and once he got on board, things really kind of started clicking into place and everything. And mm. Yeah, then that band Hightower from France. Yeah. They, yeah, they they were like, oh, you're coming over, come come do some Europe stuff with us. Can you do it? And so we squeezed that into into the routine, and yeah just kind of all snowballed down <laughs> yeah. now we're getting to see some cool places and you I want to go to the Ramones Museum in Berlin that's my goal yeah I've been there before it's, it's a cool place so I'm sure you'll enjoy right. it uh, um, the other thing because obviously you mentioned Little Rocket Records obviously they are going to put out Turf Wars on, a, on, on vinyl in a picture disc and I think f- for me personally that is music to my ears because as I've already mentioned absolutely love that record and have since become an avid vinyl collector so to hit, to see that is awesome but for for you is it kind of humbling that somebody over 10 years later wants to press that record onto something that is is essentially a collector's item yeah we're it's it's crazy that people will and the pre-sales are selling really good for it and everything. Like, I think it might almost be sold out. So, it's, it's, yeah, it still blows my mind. People <laughs> give a shit over a, over a band that was almost called Stewie Sexy Park. <laughs> you may, you should, I think you'd have to slide that into the, the new EP somewhere, surely. <laughs> yeah. We'll call a song Stewie Sexy Party. <laughs> and, and just before I start sort of winding things up, Kenny, but, Coming yeah. coming here to to the UK, is there anything that you're particularly looking forward to? Oh man. Um I wanna go to like a real UK pub. Yeah. Like, you know, you read about in the books and stuff like dingy shitty like <laughs> yeah. old man. I, I wanna go to one of those and I wanna see Stonehenge and I wanna see the big, big Ben clock. I wanna do all the cheesy tours. Yeah, cool. I'm really stuff to get over there. Perfect. And Kenny, how I like hey, what to. What should I pack? Should oh. I wear shorts or what? Oh, what no, no. Don't, don't wear shorts. Oh, 
it's not no. it's not that warm yet <laughs> not yet no well, well, actually, okay. well you're, you're from Canada so you might find it warm here I don't know but we yeah. we uh-huh. at the, well as I look out my window it's miserable and miserable and grey at the moment so that's probably going to be yeah. with be with us for the next couple of months yeah that's what kind of Vancouver is like. <laughs> doesn't know if it wants to rain or snow or sun or yeah. <laughs> um but Kenny how, how I like to end these interviews is kind of ask my guest um what their favorite song is but with a little bit of a twist so what is your favorite Dagamouth song that you'd like to play live and why Garbage bag pants. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's always a fun one, and it was one of the first songs that we wrote together as a band. So, yeah, that's probably one of the one of the faves. Cool. Perfect. Well, yeah. Kenny I get to play the, the theme song to the A Team and the Breakdown. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Perfect. Well, Kenny, thank you very much for giving up some of your time this morning. I really appreciate it, um, and I'm. I'm super stoked to see you guys at Wished Out. Uh, washed out. It's gonna be, gonna be rad. Yeah, I'm stoked. I'll see you there and come find me and uh, give me a give me a high five. Yeah, it'll be good to be in person. Yeah, man. Take the, really appreciate it and look forward to seeing you guys. Sounds good, man. Cool. Take it easy. Hey. Cheers. Yeah, talk to you soon. Bye. Right. Bye. So there we have it, folks. A massive thank you to Kenny for take, waking up early on a Sunday morning and having a little chat with me. Uh, really looking forward to seeing Daggermouth over here. Like As I mentioned in the chat, they were a band that I was really into uh, when I was at uni. Turf Wars is still one of my favourite sort of punk records, or modern punk records, should I say. Um, and really looking forward to, to hearing them having some, some new material as well. Um, as always, I'll put the relevant sort of social media links and so on and so forth in the the podcast description um but the one thing i will quickly mention is that Daggermouth's uk tour starts on april 14th uh in brighton as part of the washed out festival um my band the divorcee we are also playing that festival we will be playing uh the sticky mic stage uh, we're on at 3 p.m uh so it'd be really nice to to see some faces come down and watch me scream a little bit um i'll also put all the details for for washed out in the description of the podcast as well um that's it for for this week we are on the road to wrestlemania so uh next week's show we will have a double whammy of round tables uh so we will have nxt takeover uh new orleans and also the greatest sports entertainment show of them all itself which is wrestlemania as long as i can wrangle my usual guests um but yeah thank you again for everyone for stopping by the justin inside podcast and i'll see you soon